Okay, Chaver, Rabbi Sapsky is going to introduce a little bit more after we do an again together and speak just a, very briefly first just about who the Tzaddik was and why we're gathering here at this moment in time. But just even before that, if we can, just to frame things in the context of what's going on in, in Am Yisrael and in the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what he's doing and where he puts yard sites and when he makes things happen. It's so intuitive that the Pia Setzner's yard site would be now, in the in, in middle of the storm. In Bonagid, it's possible to say that in this room it's the eye of the storm, which is calm. We can get together and be a little bit calm and be still. But with an eye and a heart focused on our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael and Jews all around the world, just to start off with a niggin, to help us open up a little bit, and to pour out our hearts before our Kurdish Baruch, it's a tefillah and it's a bakasha. Shivchi Kamayim Libech. We should merit to open up before our Kurdish Baruch for real. So join us.
sharing. So the first time I heard of the Tahiliga Rebbe, Piyasetzna, Rakonis Kalman, was actually from the famous story of Shlomo Kalbach, the Holy Hunchback. Oilam knows the Holy Hunchback. Anyone knows the Holy Hunchback? Anyone knows it? You can look it up, the Holy Hunchback. It's about eight minutes long. So make sure you've got time when you... It's a Moyodika story. And they, uh, they say that uh, about the stories of Shlomo Kalbach, that uh, if you believe them, you're a fool. If you don't believe them, you're an apicurus. <laughs> so exactly all the details how he says it. But he says a story that he actually met. He was always wanted to meet a chassid of the Rebbe. And once he was in the walking along the, I think in Tel Aviv, by the by the coast there. And he saw this hunchback, this old yid, bent over and he was sweeping. And he said, he saw. So I saw the shchina on his face. I saw the shchina on his face. And he went over and spoke to him, and he found out. He's, he said, he said, we know where are you from? So he said, from Piazetsna. I'm not sure he pronounced it properly in a, in, in a Polish accent. They said, that's where he's from, Piazetsna. And the whole story is, he'd lost everything. And Roshlam asked him, said, tell me something about, about the Rebbe. Tell me a Torah from the Rebbe. He said, do you think I can remember any Torah from the Rebbe after I've been through the Holocaust? I'm a broken man. I've lost everything. How can I remember? He said, think I'll tell me something from the Rebbe. So he thought how I said, there's an idea, he said, if you want to hear something, I remember the Rebbe was taught us, is to do the anima toiva. Do somebody else a favor. That's the most important thing, do somebody else a favor. Do somebody else a toiva, do the anima toiva. This was a powerful message and the whole story, and there's the whole story elaborated on, you can listen yourself. But uh, this is, uh, it woke up, uh, Stirred side touched me inside very deeply. This and then there was a there was an old Chovas Altamidim on the shelf in Yeshiva, it didn't look at me touched for many years. An old print, and a couple of us started. We were into the the, the mice and we started learning Chovas Altamidim. The Loshan is not so easy, but it's very poetical, very flowery. The language we've been learning Howard, right? Then Monday night's not so easy, but fell time to translate it today. There's no excuse, right? <laughs> Everything's been translated in the Heidegger PSS now. And uh, even some of the others for him, the Shkodesh, selected parts have been translated and led on to that. But there's a few things how I found what's really powerful in there. Maybe we'll share something else a bit later on. But one idea which he shares is, he says, Ha'ikha machanich shalach. Who is your Ikha machanich? Who knows you best? Who is your best teacher? Who's your best rabbi? Your best rabbi is yourself. And the whole Sefer Chavisat Hamidim is empowering every single Yid. He wrote that, he read that for, for children, that's what he wrote the story for. But we're all children, Bonim Lat, Atem Lashem, Wola Kodesh Baruch's children. And it's such a powerful tool, such an empower, empowering Kaili that the Rebbe gave us and said, you know, ask yourself, because you are a Chayla Kerakaim and Mal, to know who you are, a Yid. And often there's a lot of noise inside, and especially these times with all the pachodim and worries and fears that we've got around us. What's going to be? What's happening? We can't think straight. We don't have the Yishav Adas. But the Rebbe tells us 
go inside, connect inside, connect with that inner self who you really are, that beautiful neshama, that godly spark inside. Connect with that, talk with that, reveal that spark. And he says, further on his writings in the Qur'an, he says many times, he says, If we're not Nevi'im, we're the children of Nevi'im. It doesn't mean that we're descendants of Nevi'im, that we come from a line of Nevi'im. He says, means we have a nitzutz, sheba nitzutz of Nevo'ah. And this is something he talks about many times. He says, inside each one of us, there's a spark of Nevo'ah. And Nevo'ah doesn't mean you can, you can suddenly know which stocks to invest in, so you know where to put your money, where to invest. Doesn't mean that's a Nevoah, but Etzem, Nevoah is a cure of It's a closeness to Gosh Baruch. It's a Tevekas of Gosh Baruch. That's all the Nevi'im had. And that's why they had, it was revealed to them certain secrets about the future and other things. But it was based on their closeness to Gosh on their Tevekas and their closeness. So that's what the Rebbe is telling us. Inside each one of us, there's not only great potential, but the reality of each one of us we know ourselves best and we know what that spark is that spark that's of Nevoah is inside each one of us and each one of us has incredible power to connect to the Boi and shine that light into the world and when there's so much Ra and so much evil in the world our purpose is to bring shine that light and to reveal that Elokus into the world it's interesting I'll finish with this. Then he started the Sefer Eish Kodesh. He never called it Eish Kodesh. He called it the Torahs from the years of, of wrath, from anger, the years of... As he was, he, the Torahs he gave in the ghetto and he wrote them down. Amazing, many of them being translated. It's such a, a very interesting thing. It's been even secular scholars have written masters trying to understand the depth of what's going over here. It's, it's such a such writer. It's something really strange. He doesn't mention the word Nazi SS. He doesn't mention the whole. This is written for over a few years, through maybe three and a half years. It was written two, three and a half years. Don't remember exactly. He does not mention once. He just refers to our matzav here, our difficult matzav. He doesn't talk about it at all, which is really strange. Why doesn't he mention it? Imagine we see say nobody mentions Hamas. No, everybody. That's what everyone's saying. But the Rebbe didn't want to mention it. He want to say the word. Because he saw everything is just the Rabbi Shalom, it's just HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. These are just blockages in the way. I didn't want to even say, be blinded by what we see with our eyes, because that's not really the truth. That's my explanation of it. There could be other reasons as well, but he doesn't say the reason he doesn't reveal it. But scientists just highlight it. And also, just to keep purity, we know about positivity, which the Rebbe is talking about having an elevated life always looking things don't just life live life just on a on the simple plane level to have an elevated vision his alas life's being a yid is about being elevated above and being pulled down by talking about the enemy and talking about the the negative even to mention the name just pulls us down makes us lose our identity of who we are we are Yisrael and that the Rebbe wanted to remind us of and he lived through the darkest of the darkest times as Rebbe Yaakov mentioned he was in the Warsaw Ghetto and his family he lost his only son, his daughter-in-law, his wife. Terrible sorrows he had. He was strong, not only for himself, but all the way even in the ghetto, right to the end. 
that's like such a big chizuk for us, especially in this time, that we all should utilize as Hashem, the Torah of the Rebbe, which is especially on this day of a Yatzeit, when the, the ore that he brought to this world shines again, and also gives us an opportunity to nush a little bit, a little bit from some of that light.
Rebbe's Chusya Gamalena, the Pia Setsner, embodied this, embodied this, Animamin. Animamin doesn't necessarily mean that I personally will see Mashiach 100%. I hope that I will, and I hope that Mashiach comes tonight. The Pia Setsner Rebbe looked around him and he saw what was going on. And if you learn Sefer Ishkaidesh, the collection of his teachings, that he gave over in the Warsaw Ghetto in the darkest period of Jewish history. The message progresses from year to year, because it was a series of years. And there's a progression, there's a progression, there's a shift in tone. And at the end, One gets the sense that the Rebbe was speaking more about Nishmas Yisrael, about the collectivity of the Jewish nation, not about individual souls, but about this thing called Knesset Yisrael. This unified spirit, which all of our souls are drops from that ocean and sparks from that fire. And the Rebbe believed with every fiber of his being, and he infused his teachings with this belief with such a with such a degree of intensity that whatever connects with his tires, we absorb this faith. But like the Navi declared, Netzach Yisrael lo Yishakir. The Jewish nation makes it. The Torah makes it. It's eternal. The lives that we live that may seem to be more fragile now in these weeks than ever before is rooted in Chaye Oilam is rooted in a life force that is forever Animamin Be'emunah Sholeimah Be'viyas HaMashiach means not that one day, one day, one day Mashiach will come, but that every Jewish krechs, every sigh, every tear-filled tefillah, every capital tilim, every tsar that we experience as a people, every little bit of chesed, every little bit of encouragement and chizuk, it's the rising of the sun of redemption. Not that one day Mashiach will come. I believe that the process of the coming of Mashiach is unfolding in each and every generation. The Rebbe knew what it meant to be a Jew. The Rebbe knew what it meant, Nishmas Yisra'am. This was his message. We are an eternal people. We are an eternal people. So let's sing this nigga one more time. And let's lean into that for a minute. Of course we have a Muna that everything can change in a minute and Yeshua Sashem Karif Ayin.
I believe that fully with all of our heart and soul. But let's for a second tap into that other energy. That energy of Netzach, 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 Yisrael, Yishakar. I'm so much bigger than just me and you're so much bigger than just you. We're we, we're one. We're one with our grandparents and their grandparents before them, all the way back to Avram Avinu, and we're one with the final generation that marches with Mashiach back to Yerushalayim. Oilam Next year, we have some mazoinus. Please pass around. 
It's not only for you, it's for the person next to you. Please make sure. A drink. Some people came late. Alchaim, peace off. Some people didn't have alchaim. APM. Not alchaim. Oh. Cookies, Bisley, oh, the Krechs, the Krechs from the Bisley. You know, it's just as Rabbi Yaakov was talking, I was thinking, he's really the Rebbe, his whole, his whole house was, was in Muna. I mean, the whole, he was in the ghetto, the hell, the Gehenna of the ghetto, and what was he doing after he gave it to Russia? He wrote down after the drosh, he wrote down, you know, it's like he's preparing a shear. Yeah, yeah, it's hard enough to take notes then, but then after the shear, to go back afterwards and write up your drosh, and you can actually see in his writings, I've got a copy there, for, it's been today from, from the original, I've got a copy of, of it at home, a photo, say, from the beginning, you can see it, beautiful writing, and as the war goes on, he was running out of paper, obviously you can go to paper, and the writing gets more messy, you can actually see from actually from his handwriting. But who is he writing for? He wasn't just writing the Eshkoshish Droshos, he was writing other Svarim as well. Some were written before the war, the Chovas HaTalmidim was before the war, the name Achshava was only for his close Talmidim. He was writing, we know there's another, there's another Sefer that he refers to, a follow-on from, from Chovas HaTalmidim, Achshos Avreichim that we have. There's another one as well he refers to, and it's Hashem will be Zorchah to find it. But they were hidden in milk flasks with an organization called the Oenig Shabbos. There were a group of journalists and they were recording historically what was happening in the ghetto. They wanted to be recorded and then, and they asked the Rebbe if he wanted to put his writings, his manuscripts there as well. And they were put there and there's a whole story in, after the war, how they were found. That's a, that's a whole mice in itself, but it's Hashkocha Protas already. But the Rebbe knew, he had a Munna. He saw and he knew when he was writing. He wasn't writing for his door, he was writing for us. And that's why such an awakening, such a calling for the writing of the Piyasets and the Rebbe for his Torah, for us. And he talks about things like today, mindfulness is such a new thing today in the, in the world, in, in, the, in, the, in the years, in the secular world. But the Rebbe talks about mindfulness the whole time, his whole Torah is about utilizing the power of visualization and the way to Hashem and to be mindful, to be living a life of elevation. He saw this, he saw this, because he lived with the moon. He was, as Rabbi Yaakov said, he lived the moon of Klal Yisrael. And in his Sefer, in the, in the, in the, he wrote a letter, the beginning of his writings, which were buried. And he tells exactly, he, it's interesting, we know he sent a letter to his brother, who uh, lived in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, he, miraculously, he received it, and the rebel was, Writes there that I bear, I, I'm writing these things, and and that's how the Rebbe knew after the war to start looking for them, etc. And they sent Shluchim to find them. Miraculously, they did find them. 
in the writings there, the Rebbe's writings, you can have a look, you pass around there, geez, Ksavyad, that uh, he actually writes in there a beautiful thing. He asks any whoever finds his writings, please, I've already brought to print some Sfarim already before the Milchama, before the war, and they've been spread out. But there's some I haven't been. I'm working on something called Movosh Orim, um, and also Zeros, which is his personal journey, and other Chidushi Torah. By asking, please print them, make your stars. Whoever finds these, please print them either together or separately. However, whatever is good in your eyes. Gum to ilu Also, please make sure not just to print them, but also to disperse them around Am Yisrael. And please print with every, and please make sure you print in every country the following. Ani mavakish. I beg and I request before every single Yid that they should learn my Sforim. Please learn them. If you learn them, then I'm sure the, the Schus of my fathers, my holy fathers, he came from a great lineage of already from, he was named after Moshemesh and many other great from Kozhnitz and from, he was Sadiqim from all sides, his mother's side, his father's side. He said, The schus of my avoisai, Seikh Sadiq, Khoytish Devotam, Yamudlo, whoever learns my sporum, their schus will stand by him, for him, and only him, Lchobesoi, and only him, his whole family, his whole household. Bezeh Ubaba, for now, not only when he learns the Sefer, but for now and for the future. Hashem Yerachem Aleinu, Hashem Shlev Mercy Allah. So you already see his Amunah. In the Muna of Am Yisrael. He was writing for Am Yisrael, and therefore, I encourage everybody, if you haven't learned already, to learn. There's so many varieties for him, it's been translated to so many languages already. So, if you speak Chinese, not sure it's been uh, translated yet. But there's so many, it's already in our language already, it's available. There's Shurim, there's Shurim by Moshe Weinberger, Shlita, there's lots on, uh, is it the YU website? Why you Torah? You get a lot of the Shurim. Because the rabbis give us a promise, and we continue that by continue that emuna by learning the rabbis Torah and connecting with him, connecting with the tzaddik by hanging on to his coattails, holding on to that vision of the emuna of Amisol, the belief in every yid, not only about the survival of Amisol, but the life of an elevated life of Amisol, a life of connection, not just. Not just doing the motions, the rabbi talks a lot about Sakharas al Tamidim. He's very bothered by the fact it's not just about, he was bothered in his time, but it was a challenge. Kids going off the derech was not, it's not a new thing. He talks about this at great length in his, in his, in his Sefer Sakharas al Tamidim. If you read the introduction, introduction to parents is interesting. He wrote a book for students, and his introduction is to the parents, which means the kids are going to read the introduction as well, which is very interesting in there. And he says, he says it quite clearly. It's because you're not living a life as a true Jew. We're doing all the actions, all external, the chitzonis. But what about living life in the panemius, with the vacas, with connection, toughening with the geshmak, with a meaning, with a connection. We can do it. We are lofty individuals. We have the beautiful nasham inside each one of us. We're so aware of our the Shamas, the Hamas inside each one of us, 
Nishmas Be'imas inside each one of us, but also the Nishmas Elokus, each one, the godly soul in each one of us, and that's what the Rebbe is trying to tap us into. So Be'ezras Hashem, Schus of the Rebbe Zemunah, Schus of the few Sforim that he wrote, that we have, the treasure that we have. Hashem, Schus of Yogen Leinu, Schus should be Schus for us. For all of us, for all of Am Yisrael, for our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael and all around the world, those who have been kidnapped should be Zoycha to Baruch Poida Matzil, because Baruch is Poida, he can redeem them. Sashem, those who have so much pain and heartache and wounded, comfort for the families who have lost so much. And also for our brothers and sisters who are risking their lives on the front lines. The schus of the Rebbe and his emunah, schus of our emunah, schus of the chasodim, shall be zoicha to true achdus in the coming of Mashiach.
But I don't think I'd be exaggerating at all, at all, mamash at all. It's not an exaggeration, it's the truth. When I say that the Piyasetzner Rebbe is Chusia Gunalainer of Kleinam is Kalman of Shapira, son of the great Sadiq of the Melech of Grzinsk, was a direct descendant of Rebbe Melech of Lezhensk, after whom he was named. It would not be an exaggeration to say that this Sadiq saved my life. Mamash Mir, absolutely saved my life. I'm not going to get into whole long stories now, but when I was 17 years old, with tremendous hashkacha, because it wasn't clear that this was the trajectory that I was going to take. In fact, it was the opposite of the trajectory I thought that I was taking at that point in life. I found myself in yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And this yeshiva was for slightly disenfranchised from boys that had been through the regular system in Farakway and in many other places in the tri-state area and beyond in the States. And it was a place to try to, try to rekindle a spark, but the Chavra weren't particularly interested in, in anything having to do with, with, uh, with Yiddishkeit. It's a place for us to be. And I had a moment of awakening, not getting into the whole thing now, but how exactly this happened. It became clear to me that I knew very little about what I was running away from. A stark moment of realization that I recognized and realized that with the whole wonderful firm education that I had up until that point, I was missing fundamentals about what Yiddishkeit is. And I decided at that moment that I was going to do my due diligence and be a bit more responsible about throwing away a 2,000-year-old tradition, you know, because... Uh, I had some negative experiences in school. And I remember, like yesterday, walking up to the base medrash of Shari Tavuno, which is the yeshiva where I was learning at that time. It's not around anymore. Rebelli 11, who also saved my life. There were a number of, it was a collaboration um, effort. And I remember going over to the bookshelf and looking for a safer that wasn't Mishnah Brura and that wasn't Meseches Bab and said something about Hashem in an overtly clear way, like it tell me what this thing is, what, it, what's, what it's all about, you know, not just the what and the where and the when and how to, to be an Orthodox Jew, but why, what is this? And I remember pulling a Masil Sisharm off the shelf, as Litva Shabachim are, are wont to do, when looking for a Sefer that isn't a Mishnah and isn't a Masechta, and I remember holding it, and I then remember seeing the Sefer, just the words Chayvah Satamidim catch my eye. And the reason that those words caught my eye is because my father, Shlita, had bought me the Feldheim version when I was 14, 15, and I had it sitting collecting dust, you know, the rest of the, the Hebrew Bar Mitzvah Sfarim that I just never was interested enough to open. And I remembered, oh, this is, this is yeah, I remember that, that book. You know, I remembered that. So there was some familiarity. And... Um, you never know what buying your teenage you know, boy a book can do years down the line. <laughs> Probably won't open that edition, but you never know what seeds you plant. And I took it off the shelf, and I remember holding both of them in my hands, and I went over to a rabbi in the yeshiva, and I asked him which sefer he recommended me learn if I was interested in learning something outside the, quote, the regular curriculum. And he told me, um, he told me, Masil Sisharim. And me, you know, being a bit of a contrarian and an antinomian, especially when I was 17, if you think I'm bad now, 
imagine what I was like then. And I promptly decided that I was going to learn Chavis HaTalmida. And I did. I did. And I learned the whole Sefer cover to cover. It took me a long period of time because like the Rav mentioned that the writing is, is complicated. It's long run on poetic sentences. You're not sure when they end and when they started. And that's the Rebbe's style and that's the Rebbe's free flowing soul, you know, expression and the way that he wrote. And on the most pragmatic level, the Sefer taught me Hebrew, taught me Lashon HaKadosh, which I didn't know because I sat there with the Feldheim edition and then the Hebrew edition and I went word to word and I matched them and I wrote in all the translations. I, I don't know if I brought it here. I may have brought it here. Anyway, it's, I think it's in the guitar case. But I could show you, Mamish, the whole Sefer is filled with all the... It taught me Lashon HaKadosh. That's doing that Sefer properly, night in, night out, taught me Lashon HaKadosh. But far more than that, and knowing Lashon HaKadosh and how to read Svarim is a, is a pretty big big deal the safer saved my life it was the first time in my religious journey that I felt that here is a tzaddik is a rebbe is a rebbe that gets me that gets me that's talking to me with respect not talking down to not preaching at but speaking to me with the perception of the inherent greatness of the Jewish soul that I already have inside of me. That was like a, you know, those, those words with, that he begins to say, Ashrecha nar Yisrael. Like if he just begins right off the bat, like, wow. Ashrecha nar Yisrael, how fortunate you are. How fortunate, who cares what you're doing, where you're at. I mean, the Sefer is written for a person that has a long way to go. But right where you are, Ashrecha have no idea who you are, not who maybe you'll become if we're successful in turning you into the pretzel that we want to see you become one day. No, 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 no. No, it wasn't that message at all. It was who you are now, who you always were, who you fundamentally, essentially are. It opened my heart in a million ways. I have a sheer on YouTube and on SoundCloud online. Um, that's called, I can't remember exactly, but it's, print, it's, it's written on the bottom of these sheets that you'll see in the, in the dark blue bar. I think I wrote the title of it. Where I go through this paper, um, very briefly, I go through the, the paper. Yeah, you're welcome to pass them all around. And this paper is seven educational principles inspired by the Pius Setsun Rebbe. And the, the reason why they're inspired by the Pius Setsun Rebbe is because you won't find these principles uh, overtly expressed in, in any of the Pius Setzner's writings. And in the Shir, I basically walk you through the first chapter of Sefer Chavis HaTamida, and I demonstrate how between the lines, the way that he speaks, and the root and the approach that he takes, you can discern seven paradigm-shifting educational principles in terms of how to build up students. And not all of us are in educational capacities. Not, not all of us are parents, but as a session at the right time, Kodesh Baruch Hu should bless all of us to bring children into the world. And in that sense, we are educators, but much more fundamentally, like the Rav said earlier, the Pia Setzner believed that we have a responsibility to educate ourselves. That was also a very empowering message that I had at that point. It's like, you're an adult, and this is your life. It's not like, it's not, this is, this is on you. This is on you put the ball in my court, it was tremendous for me, tremendous how this tzaddik changed my life. 
So I'm not going to go through the principles now. Take the paper with you if you want to follow along and, and listen to the shear and see exactly what I mean because some of them are a little bit difficult to understand without explanation. But it's all explained over there. But what I want to speak about now very briefly, and we'll sing a little bit more and maybe we'll, we'll wrap up for tonight. It's not about the Pius Setzner during the war years. It's not about the Pius Setzner during the war years because I, th I think people make the mistake of like stereotyping the Rebbe and thinking like that's all he was. Like, all, like he became great because he was in this hellish circumstance and he somehow found a way to, you know, to, to hold on to Amuna. And, and, and he's the Ish Kodesh. And that's not what was going on. The Pius Setzner Rebbe was one of the most original thinkers in modern Jewish history who had an illustrious and prolific career long before the Nazis invaded. Long before. The Rebbe wrote Sfarim, like we mentioned before. The Rebbe wrote Derech HaMelech, wasn't mentioned. It's a huge, it's a thick, big safer of his Shabbos drushes. I guess he was in the habit of writing up his drushes even before the Warsaw Ghetto, because <laughs> he believed in him, right? Because he believed in himself, because he believed in his message. A whole big safer filled with lengthy, mind-blowing drushes. He wrote the Sefer Chavas HaTamidim as like level one for younger students. He wrote as a follow-up the Sefer Achshar Savrechem that he writes in the beginning, you're only allowed to learn after you learned Chavas HaTamidim because he wants it to be in order. Then he was writing a third set, a third Sefer in the set called Mevoa Sha'arim, which we only have the Akdama of. And then he was in the process of writing a commentary on the entire Zohar Kaddish, his life's work. And the whole thing was lost in the, in the war. And the only thing we have left is the, what's called Mesiras Moda'a. It's like the introduction of the introductions. The only thing we have left of the Sefer, I personally translated it, it's on my, on my website. It's called Mesiras Moda'a, I, I wrote it in three parts. Remarkable, remarkable, remarkable. It's, 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 you read it and, you, and your heart cries because of what we lost. Chaval al so we have to just understand who this person was, his, his, his approach to education, his approach, the way that he thought about things. He was completely and entirely unique in a generation of other tzaddikim who were parrots. They were big tzaddikim, but they, were, they weren't original thinkers per se. They were giving over the Messiah of their grandfather and their Zayda and their Zayda. And here comes this tzaddik who lost his father at the age of three. So he didn't really have much of a messiah. He was already a Rebbe. They didn't put anybody else even in the interim. He was the next Rebbe. They waited for him to grow up a little bit until he took the mantle of leadership at a very young age, 16 or 17. And it's as if, you could say, it's Ki'ilu. He was in the category of the Talmidim of the Maggid of Mizrich each of whom have their own R, like the Kedusha Slavi. This is a whole world called Berdichim. The Balatani is a whole other world. And of Arnagadol of Karlin, and Rebbe Melech, and Rebbe Zusha. Like each of them, they weren't Stam, like just giving over the teachings of the Magid. They were all generals that were sent to different parts of Europe to reveal their own light. And very, very rarely do you find, certainly not in the later generations of Hasidus, where you have an original thinker. So original, and they say the same thing about musicians, which I believe to be very true, that the mark of a true musician is that if you listen to one song and you, you know already that it's him because he has his own style, he's not some, you know, making nice music. It's true about the Piazzetta. 
A person that understands the message and the flow can read a paragraph and right away I'll tell you that's the Ish Kodesh. Completely different way of thinking. So I want to just share two things. One thing I want to share, I'm going to read to you some of the Tzaddik's actual words in a remarkable pamphlet that shows up and is printed in the back of Sefer Achshar Savrechem. It's called Sav This is the Rebbe's personal diary. It seems to be from what the Rav read that he intended it for publication, which is interesting. But these are intensely personal writings. Intensely personal for the layman, for some of a person, if you like, discover these writings. For a public figure to write in this way, whoa, I mean, completely unique. Completely unique. Of the most unique writings in the whole body of Hasidic literature. And in entry 19, he writes the following. I'm going to read it a little bit quickly because I do want to get to something I wanted to read in English to you. Bear with me. for the tzaddik. We need so much chizik now. And his light is shining stronger now than ever. Listen to what he writes here. He says, Baruch Hashem nechnasti kfar b'shnas harba'im limechaya. He says, thank God, Baruch Hashem, I've entered into the 40th year of my life. It was his 40th birthday. He didn't live much longer than that. He says, it's, well, it's leading up to my 40th birthday. So He says, it's, it's downhill from here, right? In a certain sense. This is the tokef, and then after that, Ukfar Askel is and he says, I'm... Oh, we should take this in the wrong way. Oh, young at heart. He says, we're getting a little bit old, he says. Listen to what he writes. He says, my heart is, is trembling. He says, I'm not worried that my time is running out. And little did he know, or maybe much did he know about what that meant. This is what I was created for. Regular people who die in their deathbed at 119 364 days surrounded by their grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren don't refer to their death as like I was created for this it's like a premonition of the way that he that he left this world like this is the pinnacle like I'm, I'm going and I'm, I'm ready I'm going to see more about that in a minute but he says the paucity of my years the poorness his level that carry on and pass by with weakness, with emptiness, with shiftless, with katnas, with lowliness. Again, on his, his madriga, the anivas. ben Adam. And he speaks to himself. He says, Man, son of man, ben Adam. Your days are passing. Only now you've decided and remembered to do tshuva, to return. And it carries on. But then he says, But I won't give up, I won't despair. While my heart is trembling at the specter of reaching this point in my life. I've already dulled the nakshon, and he says, My knees are trembling and shaking about this. He says, Okay, let's make a new beginning. Let me start now. Again, on his, on his unimaginably elevated madriga, he says, Let me start now. To bind myself to Akkadish Baruch with a 
Kesher shal kayama with a mighty bond, the hulai hai, the ulai, and then maybe. But listen to this. Listen to how he writes. Uma akabal He says, What should I take upon myself? Lil moidi aiser, to learn more. He says, Imagine he reached the Madriga, he says, that's not a thing. Like, I learn as much as I could possibly learn. He says, I do not need to learn anymore. He says, I don't waste a second. It's not, it's not about that. He says, to remove myself from this worldly impulses. If my Yitzhar isn't fooling me, he says, I, I don't have anything to improve in, in that area either. He says, I'm fine. Listen to this, Chavar. Because this is it. What he's about to say, this is it. When I say it, I don't just mean the essential kernel, the core of the Piyasetzner's message, but the essential kernel, the essential core of the Balshemta's whole thing. It's the following. Ready for this? He says, what I'm missing is just the simple experience of being just a Jew. A Jew. He says, yeah, everything on the outside looks Jewish. And his madriga, right? He says, I'm a card-carrying member of the Orthodox community. I, I look fine. Doing all the right things. Shakolba. It's like a like a mannequin. Looks like a looks like it like a human being. Hagavanim, Hatsura, he's shaped like a human, he has all the right colors of the human. But one thing is missing, Hanashama Chaser. A missing soul. Soul. The spirit is missing. Ribbaina Shalaylam, and he turns Takarish Baruch as he so often did. It's full of tefillas, Sabizira, some of them very lengthy. One of them. He wrote after hearing of the murder of his eldest, his only son, in the Warsaw Ghetto, who he loved so deeply, his son Elimelech. He says, Rebbeinu Shalom Saifo Mabit Kol Nela, Master of Heaven and Earth, who sees all hidden things. Listen to these words, he says, in front of you and before you I supplicate and I pray. I'm cast away from you, I'm distant from you. And I'm so distant from your chambers. Says, I want to become a ger, I want to become a Jew. Make me a yid. Make me a yid. That's what this means. The man can't learn any more than he's already learning. He, he can't work on his taivas any more than he's already worked on them. But there's something else in the Jewish experience than doing all the right things. There's the mysterious spirit of what it means to be a Jew that's ineffable. It's, it's something else. It's something qualitative, not quantitative. Let me be a Jew now. He says, Master of Heaven and Earth, may not waste the rest of my years. Bring me close to you. Take me, as a Kurdish Baruch Hu eventually did. Chamber within chamber. Let me be bound up with you forever. I want to share one more thing with you. 
And I'm so grateful for this gathering and for Stepsky for putting this together. And what a schos that, I mean, I don't know, not going to be Moitzilaz on Stanford Hill or Manchester. It could be that there's Yartzai gatherings. But it is Yitachin. It's, it's possible and maybe even probable that in this entire country, this is the group of Yidin that gets together around the table to honor the memory of this tzaddik. That's not a small thing. That is not a small thing. That's a major, major Kiddush Shemayim that's taking place in this room. Ashrena. What a privilege. So I'll tell you a story, and this is the story, and then I'll finish. We'll sing a little bit more. A couple of weeks ago was Shabbos Shuva. I have a very bad habit. The Rav will forgive me, and all Rabbanim everywhere. Shabbos Shuva Drash is not so much for me. I, 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 and I'll tell you why. I, because there are so many tzaddikim of previous diaries that in their sfarim have Shabbos Shuvah drushes, that by Michilas Kfayt, all the Rabbanim, I'd rather go to the Piyasetzim of Shabbos Shuvah drushes, you understand? So, so I like to learn the Shabbos Shuvah drushes of, of, of the tzaddikim that I feel connected to. And so in Darach HaMelech, the Piyasetzim has Shabbos Shuvah drushes. I sat down Shabbos afternoon, and I'm learning the, the Rebbe's drushes. First of all, I had never read anything as intense, as intense from the Rebbe, maybe even Bechlal beyond that, but in the writings of the Rebbe, Shabbos, Shuba, Drasha, Beis. Whoa, whoa. I mean, it brought, it, it moved me to tears, which I think is a successful Shabbos, Shuba, Drasha, that the, yeah, the, it was a successful Shabbos, Shuba, Drasha. Mamish, it shook me, it shook me. But the strangest thing that I couldn't wrap my mind around was that the whole entire drusha was talking about Shmira Shabbos. You've got to keep Shabbos. And he was going on and on about the Jews that aren't keeping Shabbos. And it's a terrible thing. And the Chil Shem Shemayim and talking about what Shabbos is. And he made a Mishmeres that's going around trying to convince people to keep Shabbos. And people are harassing them. And he says what you're doing is similar to there being a fire in a building. And the firefighters come and you're trying to harass them. They're trying to put out the fire. Don't you understand that Shabbos is protecting us? And so on and so forth. And I'm thinking to myself, who was he speaking to? Who was he speaking to? We can make the assumption that he was speaking to his Hasidus, which was a very, very large group of very pious and devout Yidin, for whom this message is just not applicable or relevant. And if he was speaking to someone else, the people for whom this message would have been relevant, I can't imagine that they're coming to Shabbos Shuvah I couldn't figure this out. Like, what, what, is what is going on here? And so, the Rav mentioned previously also that um, there's a lot of academic interest in the Peace Setzner Rebbe. In the secular world, there's a lot of academic, and in the Jewish academic realm, there's a lot of um, interest in the Rebbe's radical approach to education. Like I said before, he was an original out-of-the-box thinker, and so there's a lot to study, especially in the context of the Holocaust and so on. A, a ton has been written in, 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 in academic writings. And so there's a Facebook group, believe it or not, of academic-oriented Yidin that are very interested in the Piyas Hetzner Rebbe, and there's a whole Facebook group with hundreds and hundreds of members. Matzah Shabbos, I went onto the Facebook group. And I asked this question. Very knowledgeable people, as you'll find out in a minute. Super knowledgeable. So I said, I, I was looking at the Shabbos Shuvah and I saw that he's speaking about Shemir Shabbos and all this stuff, and I can't figure it out. 
maybe someone who knows a little bit of the historical context could help me out. And I thought that someone would start describing what things were like before the war. We know it wasn't as simple as they make it seem, you know, in the, in the art scroll books for sure, but like this, it wasn't the best scene in the whole world. So I thought someone would say that, and okay, I got it. Listen to this. Someone comments and sends me a link to a translation of a chapter of a book called, in Hebrew, HaChasid HaAchron, the final Chasid. And this was written by a Chasid of the Piyasetz Nereva, who had survived the war and wrote about his experiences. Is there, is there an extra chair? There's somebody who's standing. Yeah, I'm to go. Are you sure? Everybody does, but they're not going to leave until I finish. So. <laughs> you sure? Okay. Sorry. Have you captive here? Captive the Kedusha. Got to fight the... Okay, so like this. He wrote a sefer called Al-Chasid HaAchron, and he described what it was like to be a chassid of the peace that's Nareva. Would you believe that in this book, he has an entire chapter dedicated to this Shabbos Shuvah Drasha? Not just general context, to this Drasha. And I want to read the translation, and then I will stop talking, much to everybody's delight. Listen to this. You ready? The chapter is called The Great Sermon. I, I'm mamish. I can't tell you what I felt when I, when I read this. Maybe you'll, you'll get that sense too. He says, Shabbos with the Rebbe in the town of Piasetzna was an unforgettable experience. Multitudes of Hasidim excitedly filled his base medrash. The Shabbos prayers, the special melodies, and the Torah sermons filled with profound infights, insights and spiritual intensity made us feel that this was indeed Me'ein Olam Haba, a taste of the world to come. The Rebbe's sermons were famous and left a strong, lasting impression on all those who heard them. I remember one Shabbos Shuvah, he writes, in 1936 when the walls of the sanctuary literally shook. This was, the, this was the sermon, the teaching that I had just read that Shabbos afternoon, never believing in a billion years that I would be privy that evening to the, to the context. At that time, one of the most influential Jews in the town had started to transgress the sanctity of Shabbos. The Rebbe tried with all of his might and in his pleasant way to persuade the man not to do it, but was unsuccessful. When the Rebbe continued to talk to this Jew about closing his store on the Holy Shabbos, the man in his great impudence threatened that he would report the Rebbe to the authorities because the Rebbe did not have an official matriculation certificate, like rabbinical thing, which the Polish law required of the official rabbi of the town. Imagine, he threatened that he was going to report the Rebbe to the authorities. Following this threat, the Rebbe decided to dedicate his Shabbos Shuvah to this issue. But on Friday, Arab Shabbos, the Rebbe fell ill and was barely able to speak. We were very sorry that we would not be able to hear the Shabbat Shuvah from our Holy Rebbe. Then, to our surprise, the Rebbe decided to deliver the sermon despite his illness and even ordered all the Jews of the town to come to the base Medrash to hear it. The sermon was tasteful, filled with Midrashim and stories from our sages about Hashem's love for the Jewish nation. You have to get your hands on a copy of this drasha if you can. Maybe I'll, I'll do a translation work on it for those uh, who the Hebrew is hard for about a Jew's simple and straightforward faith, about the greatness and sweetness that a person feels when they are close to Hashem, about the importance of improving our character traits, and about prayers and angels. Finally, the Rebbe reached the topic of the sanctity of Shabbos. 
It is not that on Shabbos alone, the Rebbe said, a person feels that he has become elevated once again from a peasant to a prince, from crudeness and ignorance to an uplifting level of purity and sanctity. Rather, all week long, the impression of that holiness remains with him, and even when he returns to his business and his work, he feels that he is close to Hashem, that he believes in Hashem, that he loves his fellow Jew, and that all of his deeds are as they were commandments from the Torah. Then the Rebbe explicitly mentioned the incident of which we were all aware. But as I mentioned, the Rebbe continued, Shabbos observance has declined here significantly to, our, significantly to our dismay. It has reached the extent that when I started to get involved in matters related to rectifying Shabbos observance here, I was slandered regarding my position to the rabbinate. You have to read it in the original Hebrew, but it's a translation. Foolish ignoramuses! The imam shouted, Shaitim Shabbat Listen to this. Wish I had it. He's, listen to what he, what he said. Is that how they are trying to scare me so that I stop trying to make improvements for the sake of Hashem's commandments? Is my position on the rabbinate the only thing I'm willing to give up? Do they not know that when a Jew says, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elekeinu, Hashem Echad, he is prepared to be stabbed, slaughtered, hanged, and burned for Hashem? This is what the Rebbe wrote, what the Rebbe said. And he writes this chassid ha'achrein. He says, I do not know if it was prophecy at that moment, but these were most definitely tremendous and powerful words of Ruach HaKadosh. The nations of the world, he continued, whose sabbatical day is simply a day of rest, put so much effort to protect it to the extent that they do not even let Jews disturb it because they know that what a non-Jew disturbs, their day of rest, he is breaking and disturbing their entire nation. Yet among us, Am Yisrael, whose days of rest is a day of holiness, we find Jews who themselves desecrated. Later, the Rebbe spoke about the importance of Shabbos as the last remaining stronghold of the Jewish nation, preventing their assimilation among the nations of the world, like I mentioned before. The Jewish nation is like the sphere of Malchus, a rich queen. It had the land of Israel, it had the base of Mikdash, it had prophets, Kohanim, Levim, and a large army of Yisraelim, all of whom protected the nation of Israel so it would not be lost among the nations. But among its fortifications was the Shabbos too, the strong fortress. They are burning our fortress and we will pour water and extinguish it. If it only decreases and we do not extinguish it, then we will throw ourselves onto the flame of the fire and be extinguished along with it. The Rebbe finished his sermon with words of consolation. As it's printed in the Sefer, Chazak v'nis chazek, be strong and may we be strengthened. And then we will ensure that Hashem seals our fate for the good. And when I had reached the end of the drasha, so it was finished. And he turned the page and it's drasha's on Sukkot. That's it. But here he says what happened in the white space underneath where the drasha ends in the bottom of the paper. Silence fell among the sanctuary, upon the sanctuary for several long minutes. A very tense silence. Suddenly, a Jew stood up from among the crowd of listeners and shouted, Rabbi, I promise never to desecrate the Shabbos day ever again. We all turned in shock to see who was this Baal Tshuva who had made the statement. Lo and behold, it was that very same Jew who had been the catalyst of this powerful sermon. That same man who had threatened to report the Rebbe to the authorities. That one who had intended to curse and instead uttered a blessing. The wholehearted repentance of this man surprised all of the Jews of Piyasetzna, all except for the Rebbe himself, who believed deep in his heart in the purity of every Jewish soul.
And he finishes, just six years after the sermon, the Rebbe's prophecy came true. And he indeed walked through the fiery flames to be stabbed, hanged, and burned. On behalf of Hashem, with the word Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu Hashem Echad on his lips. This was the Piyasetzin Rebbe. A lion, a lion, a fire, a, a, a torch, a bonfire of spirit. A bonfire of vulnerability and yearning to just be a Jew, but to mamish be a Jew. A bonfire of belief in the flame that flickers within each and every Jewish soul. We should take a commitment on ourselves, each and every one of us. I know there's already a Chabur that's learning the Torah of the Tzadeh, but if you're not, you can make a little bit of a commitment now. It doesn't have to be big. To try as much as you're going to be able to add five minutes of extra learning to try to look into this Tzadeh. Because his message was, was our message. His message is a message for, for our generation. And Imloy Achshav, if not Mamish now, then Let's do one more nigga and we'll wrap it up.
Sama 